0: Welcome back to the Mouth of the Time podcast brought to you by the Shields Gazette. I'm Dominic Skirr, joined by Joe Buck for a short but maybe not so sweet podcast as we're discussing Sunday's 5-1 defeat for Newcastle United at Tottenham Hotspur and we'll look ahead also to the final eight matches of the Premier League season and Joe, it wasn't the best weekend for Newcastle, now I've had some time to sort of reflect on it, um, how are you feeling after after that?
1: Uh, it was rubbish. That's my analysis yeah. of it. It was <laughs> it was you know, the first half was it was okay to be fair. The first half I thought Spurs were on top, you know, they dominated the ball, but you know, the Fabian free kick wasn't it was a nice surprise. Mm. Um and I thought they ended the half all right, you know, with the, there was a little bit of a scuffle with Joe Linton and um and Ben Tanker and all that, and then second half they just collapsed and I don't know why. I don't know why it's happened because we've not seen this anyhow team collapse like that. But yeah, they just came out of the second half and just looked a shadow of themselves, really. Absolutely shadow of the team that we've seen.
0: Yeah, it was it was brutal that that second half. And the first half, I think Tot- Tottenham did dominate the game, but Newcastle did have a structure to the play. There were um frustrating Tottenham. There was very I think Martin De Bradka had one save to make before Tottenham equalised, and that was it was more or less straight at him. So they were frustrating Tottenham. And then when Fabian Schäff scores a free kick, it feels like, oh, well, it could be a, a bit of a surprise. Could be our day here. But that Ben Davis equaliser just on the stroke of half time, four minutes, five minutes after Fabian Scherz gave given Newcastle the lead, that just felt like a blow for me. I, I said at half time, I feel like Tottenham could taken up one or two gears here, and that's, that's exactly what they did. So, Joe, you touched on it before, but can you put your finger on what exactly went wrong for Newcastle on Sunday? Because it was so out of um, what we've come to expect from an Eddie House Newcastle side.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've I've got no idea. I think there's probably been warning signs in other games that maybe they've got away with a few things. Um but no, I don't know. It just it just seemed like they came out and all of a sudden forgot the game plan. And they sort of went back to the team at the beginning of the season who forgot how to win games, you know, forgot how to do the dirty work that they need to do. And it just it felt so easy for Tottenham time and time again. I think I think the major change was probably Harry Kane dropping a bit further back, I think, and we just didn't adapt to that. We didn't adapt to Harry Kane's change. And then, the, you know, they go and score two or three really quickly. And then that's that's game over. And then it's damage limitation from then.
0: Yeah, it was uh, Ben Davis equalised and then Matt Doherty, Hulman's son, Emerson Royale, all of a sudden it's 4-1 and the game's beyond Newcastle and that's after 60, 65 minutes and Stephen van came on, added added a fifth, but we were speaking after the game. I thought 5-1 was actually at Newcastle a little bit based on the second half performance. I thought Tottenham could have, it could have been 6 or 7 quite easily. Yeah. I, I don't know if you... You feel that way, Joe? No, I I feel you do. do. I
1: think if you lose 5 1 at Tottenham and between Harry Kane and Son, they've only got one goal, you know, that is a bit of a worry because I think Son missed a chance as well. I think that was a 4 1 to make it 5 1, and that was a big chance. Harry Kane had a couple of speculative efforts, but yeah, it it could have been a lot more, I think. It was weird because it didn't felt like one that they were peppering the goal, you know. I don't, I actually don't think Dubravka had that many saves to make. He just picked the ball out of his net five times. But it just felt like every time they were going, they just looked dangerous going forward. And every time they went forward, the defence just couldn't cope.
0: Yeah, it was ruthless from Tottenham, to be fair. Other than that, um, missed some chance to just tore, tore Newcastle apart. And it shows there's probably still a long way to go because Tot- Tottenham are not quite the elite, the Man City Liverpool of, of, of the Premier League, but they're, they're probably just below that. And it shows the, the, the golfing quality when it, one team's on song and Newcastle off it, just how how badly um, they can be punished as well and sh- shows there's still a long way to go for Newcastle to, to reach that next level would you say Joe?
1: Yeah absolutely and you got to remember that was pretty much our strongest team I know we've got Trippie and Wilson out but you know from the players that are fit right now that hmm. that's the team that we all wanted and we talked about it last week that was the team pretty much we predicted and then yeah. to see them get beat like that is yeah, it was bad but I, I do think it was a one-off and I do hope it was a one-off um, Yeah well yeah, yeah. we
0: we'll hope it's just a bad day at the office, but yeah. like you said, in terms of the team, we we'll had Alan St-Maximin come back into the side, his first start since mid-February, what did you make of his performance? Um, not that anyone really um, could come away with much credit from that game, but Eddie Howe did, did say something after the game, saying he, he could be fairly happy with his performance, do you, do you agree with that?
1: I think he troubled the defenders. I think early on he won a couple of free kicks, especially in that first half. Um, and yeah, I, th- I thought he was all right. I just think that we went back to relying on him to create a bit of magic out of nothing. You know, back what we used to do under Steve Bruce a lot, where it was all of a sudden it was just give the ball to St. Maximin and hope he can he can do something. Um, mm. I felt that Matt Target struggled behind them. I don't know whether that was because of St. Maximin or whether that was just a bad day in the office for Matt Target, but I thought down that right, um because before the game, I looked at that and I looked at Emerson Royal and I thought, you know, Saint Maxim could have a
0: mm,
1: could have a good time here. And then, but it just didn't work like that. But I'm glad to see him back and hopefully, you know, he's back to full fitness. And I do Newcastle are a better side with him in. It was, yeah, it was just it's not when Newcastle are off color. The whole team, Saint Maxim, looks particularly bad because that's just the type of player he is. You know, with having he gets people whinge that we have to carry him and he's a luxury player. But that's just. That's just the way it is, but I thought I thought Saint Maxim was alright. I thought a few of them were okay, but when a couple of them are off and a couple of them are only okay, it's it's recipe for disaster. Like, yeah,
0: definitely, especially away at a, a club like Spurs with the attacking players they have. But you, you make an interesting point Um just between Son and Harry Kane, just one of them scoring, three defenders scoring, which is which is unusual. But on Saint Maxim, I thought. Of a bad, bad Newcastle performance, he, he did all right. He, ke- he kept going. He, he did um, challenge uh, the defenders, ask a few questions, but it wasn't wasn't a brilliant performance from him by any means. But I, th- I think he was probably one of Newcastle's better players on the day. Though I've seen some comments um, from fans on Twitter that, that would disagree with that. But another player who has divided opinion, I'd say, since since his arrival. Um, We'll go through a few players um, based on Sunday's performance. But Chris Wood, one goal in 11 games for Newcastle now. He had one shot on Sunday, otherwise didn't really get a sniff. Um, like I say, he's divided opinion. Some people are pro-Chris Wood, some people are anti-Chris Wood. What camp would you say you're in,
1: I'm, Joe? I'm definitely in the pro-Chris Wood camp. I think that you just have to go about that Cambridge game where he was, we hadn't signed him then. And we tried to play against Cambridge with no recognised striker. And that was... That was probably one of the worst displays I've seen in a long time. And, you know, we are a better team with Chris Wood in there. That's just a fact. I think yeah. it's not helpful that a striker like him does a lot of things off the ball. I know that Eddie Howe's spoken about his impact and that he does a lot the fans maybe don't see. Or, you know, strikers are effectively judged on goals and 1-11 and isn't great. But I do think we are a better team with Wood in there. I just think that he does need a couple of goals to you know, to really prove that he should be in there, because as soon as Callum Wilson's anywhere near fitness, there'll be massive calls for him to come back.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you there, I think, funnily enough though, since he did, since he has scored that one goal against Southampton, I think he's been very poor actually, I think the Chelsea game, the Everton game and the Tottenham game, he he hasn't really offered a lot and then the chances he has had, he, he snatched that and, and failed to take and um considering he's been away with international duty with New Zealand, jet lag, a lot of travelling, he played three times um, for New Zealand in that time. He scored five goals, to be fair to him, but um, just not added it on Sunday. So you can give him the benefit of the doubt. But um, I, for me, I, I'd say it's a little bit of an insult to, to Dwight Gale, if I'm honest, because this is a player who Eddie Howe on, on Friday was saying, works his socks off in training, he's top of the leaderboards, he's a model pro, yet... He's played eight minutes of football under Eddie Howe. And I'm not saying Dwight Gale's the answer by any means. And I, I agree that Chris Wood is a much more effective player on the side. But on Sunday, Chris Wood is looking way off it. And Howe brings on Jamal Lussells when the side are 4-1 down. Okay, damage limitation, I guess. But if I was Dwight Gale in that situation, I'd be, I'd be livid because he's just not getting a sniff at the moment and Chris Wood just seems like whatever situation in um, Newcastle are in, he's going to start at the moment. Um, Joe, do you you think Dwight Gill has been unlucky? I'm not saying he should be starting games by any means, but do you think he's been unlucky to get limited to so few minutes when he hasn't, he's barely played since Chris Wood's arrived and Chris Wood, like you say, one in 11, um, one goal in 11 games for him?
1: Yeah, I think especially with, as you say, Eddie Howe was very complimentary about him behind the scenes. Mm. Um, but this, there must be something not there because it's not just Eddie Howe. Like you know, Steve Bruce didn't really trust him yeah. at, at times, and even I keep going back that Cambridge game. But even then, I don't, I don't think he played or very, he played very little at the end. Yeah. Um, so there's clearly something. I just I feel like with Chris Wood that they're, they're not playing with strengths. I feel like if you've got someone like that, you should be getting a lot of balls into the box. And for me, they don't they don't do that. Um, now maybe that then suits Dwight Gale if they're not if they're not willing to put all these balls in the box maybe you know Dwight Gale who play on the shoulder maybe a bit better but I don't know it's a shame for Gale because we've got to remember what he, you know he single handedly got us up from the championship pretty much yeah. you know he's been a good servant um, but it's just a, it is a sad way for his career to end and I assume he's he's probably off in the summer and there'll be plenty of championship clubs sniffing around him. Um, yeah, definitely. yeah it's a shame not seeing especially you right with Jamal Lascelles coming on at four one down. I don't know why it would seem a weird sub. I know they would try to, sh- to shift Shelby into centre back for a little bit. That didn't really work. Um, but yeah, it's just a sad end.
0: Yeah, that that Shelby to centre back thing was absolutely bizarre. We are like, if Steve Bruce does that, he's getting absolutely hammered. But anyhow, we'll, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt for all the good work he has done. But um, yeah, that was that was an interesting one. And. Um, another centre back who who did get a bit of bit of criticism um on social media dan Byrne, um obviously mistake led to goals at chelsea and everton and then he had a really really tough second half at spurs um joe do you think this criticism of dan Byrne is is fair given the impact he's made in general since his arrival
1: i think criticism of any player when they have displays like that or off displays is you know and if it's fair criticism criticism it's due because yeah, a lot of them weren't. They weren't. They weren't very good. The whole defense, um, mm. the other day. And I think after the Chelsea and Everton game, I think we talked to him and said we're giving the you know the benefit of the doubt because he has probably saved a lot more points than he maybe you know it was cost with a couple of mistakes. But he did look really off at the other day, and I don't. Again, I don't know why it was. It was just such a surprise to see him because he's been so solid. Him and share at the back. You, you'd imagine that that would be him, share, Debravka, them three target there as well they're the solid ones they're the ones you can rely on and they all just had a really bad game but I think Burn. I don't know whether he just needs to not calm down because he's not doing anything rash I don't know whether he just needs to you know go back to basics do what he does best with you know defending playing the ball back and just try and get some form back because you're right it has been a couple of a couple of substandard displays from him
0: yeah I think it's, it's one of them he, he's 29 years old 13 million from Brighton like with all due respect to Dan Byrne he is not going to be this world-class centre-back that he may have looked over the space of five games for Newcastle. He's not. If he had that consistency, he would be an in England international. He would be playing a level above the clubs, a level above um, the likes of Brighton and Newcastle. But hopefully, now um, back at back at home, three home games in a row, he, he can um, get back to his best and um, help Newcastle pick up a few wins. But just looking at the table, it's. Or the form guide itself, three defeats in a row for, for Newcastle now, still nine points clear of the relegation zone. Um, what are your feelings, John, on, on the past, past few weeks? Is perspective needed or, or, or are you disappointed or perhaps concerned uh, going forward?
1: I'm a little bit disappointed. I think just the manner of the defeats with the being, you know, hammered at Tottenham and then the two late ones at Chelsea and Everton. But if you looked at it on paper and you said, the them three games, Chelsea, Everton, Tottenham, how many, you know, three away, how many points would you expect from them? Maybe maybe mm. three at Everton. You know, mm. so they're not, they've not, you know, being beaten by teams that they shouldn't have been beaten by, really. So I think a bit of perspective is needed on that. I think these next three games are crucial, these home ones, to have three underbounds at home and have teams that they're not the top six. So they should be picking up favourable results. I know Crystal Palace had a fantastic result against Arsenal. Mm. yesterday so that'll be a tr- tough game in a couple of weeks but they need to highlight these three games and really really try and get their pre- probably the premier league safety secured by the end of these three games i would guess that's what i would, yeah. I would hope anyway
0: yeah it's it's huge cuz um you fail to win any of these next three and then you look at the end of the season you've got norwich away okay norwich rock bottom of the league but never very very rarely get anything at, at norwich particularly wins, I think you'd have to go back to 1994 since the last win at Norwich and then you've got the likes of Man City Liverpool, Arsenal in, in quick successions but like you say, I think perspective is, is important, I think if anyone was offered being nine points clear of the relegation zone with eight games to go, if you were offered that back in January, December I think I can't think of a single Newcastle fan who wouldn't have taken that and even at the start of the season if you were offered that Um, I'd imagine quite a few Newcastle fans would have taken it and Eddie Howe still insists Newcastle are in a relegation battle and Joe you've touched on it there how how are you viewing things with eight games to go like you say you want to ideally confirm safety in the next uh, three games effectively but are there any concerns you have Do, do you think Newcastle could get dragged into it and how do they avoid getting dragged into it what
1: needs to change uh, they're definitely still in a relegation battle until mm. they get to i would say 36 37 points that you know they're definitely looking over their shoulder i just think the one thing that might might keep they'll they'll stay up by getting enough points and i do think they'll get enough points by the end of the season but i think the teams below them are, are so poor and so that none of them seem to be one want, not wanting to pick up results but none of them seem to be going on a run of you know two or three wins in a row and i think that's probably what will save Newcastle by the end of the season, the fact that the teams below them are probably so poor um, and not picking up results. But yeah, I think, I just think these next three games are huge. And I think also they're huge that if Newcastle can get one or two wins, that's them safe and that then demoralises the teams below them because that's another, you know, it's another team gone and then it's looking really, you know, a four horse race, I would think. I think Leeds have probably done enough to survive. And I I do think, they know that Everton, Burnley, Norwich, and Watford, and what a massive game Everton Burnley is, by the way. You know, and yeah, this week, this midweek, so that's that's going to be huge. But it's it'll be nice to watch that game with a little bit of relaxation because I, I don't think that result impacts us too much. But you know, they do need they do need it just to survive and then they can start building for next season. So just get the points on the board, get them done, and you know, go in the last five or six games knowing that it doesn't matter effectively.
0: Yeah. It- the thing you you mentioned none of the teams below newcastle have really put together a run none of them any anything like the run newcastle put together to to ultimately move nine points clear but i think that's that's a concern in a way because teams always one team always tends to just pull out of it at the last minute and it's just which team is that going to be is it going to be Burnley watford i don't know i think norwich are probably a, a bit too far gone but We'll see. It's certainly an interesting final eight games to the season. And next up for Newcastle, like we say, this really important run, three home games, Wolves on Friday, Leicester the following Sunday, and then Crystal Palace midweek after that. Joe, looking ahead to to the Wolves game on Friday, do you make any changes from that Tottenham defeat, given how how sort of stark and um,
1: brutal it was? I think i'd bring bruno back in i think mm. um i saw someone on twitter today which i never really thought about but he's only played 15 minutes of football at st james's park because of all the starts have come in the last four away games yeah <laughs> we haven't actually seen him, so i would love to see bruno in front of a full you know because it's going to be a loud crowd on friday i'm really looking forward to it. friday nights are always good um so i'd like to see bruno come in i don't know who we come in for really because I don't think any of the three did anything necessarily weren't being dropped. None of them played very well, but I don't think any of them, you know, were particularly bad. Um, but other than that, I don't think I would change anything. I would, I don't know whether it's maybe burnout for LaSells. I don't know whether you just take them out the fire line a bit. But other than that, the the frame of the squad's there to go, they just need to put in a better performance, simple as that.
0: Yeah, it it shows how far Newcastle have come. where we're literally talking about after a five one defeat making maybe one change, yeah. which is which is mad. And and I agree. It's just who who Bruno comes out for, and um, it would be nice to see him get a decent decent run out at St James's Park, a decent start because it's been been a fortress under Eddie Howe. I Don't think there's any other way to say it. It's just a one defeat um in the Premier League under Eddie Howe um at St James's, and that was the Man City game where I mean. More often than not, ends in defeat when uh, the sides meet. Um, had a few decent wins in recent season, but generally speaking, that's a tough game. So um, hopefully the next time on the Mouth of the Time podcast, we're talking about Newcastle getting back to winning ways. Um, hopefully three points against Wolves on, on Friday. And we can be looking forward to a, a fairly positive end of the season. But you can stay up, up to date with all the Newcastle United coverage and news um, over at the Shields Gazette or by following... Uh, Joe book or myself, Dom Scare, on Twitter. You can also subscribe to The Shields Gazette for unlimited ad light access to all of our Newcastle United coverage. Just head over to shieldsgazette.com forward slash subscriptions for more information on that. But for now, Joe, thanks for joining me as always, and thank you everyone for listening, and we hope you can all join us next time on the Mouth of the Time podcast. Cheers.